You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Hello everyone, my name's Craig and I'm your friend from Cross Culture. It's so good to be with you again today. Um, we're doing our series on following Jesus and this message is entitled Encounter His Glory. Before I begin Please uh, pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Fill us with your spirit and open our eyes because we want to see Jesus. Amen. When I was a teen, sometimes I would dream of being famous of prevailing over all others, of winning every award and being celebrated. But then, as you may understand, life didn't turn out that way. I didn't become famous and I just wasn't as great as I thought I'd be, as I thought I was or as I hoped I'd be. But then in contrast, we have Jesus, the lowly carpenter who took after his father, the teacher who gave us the example of humble service when he washed his disciples' feet, and the man who showed us how to love our neighbour and to sacrifice ourselves for their well-being. But then we have today, like a bolt of lightning, Jesus shines his all-surpassing glory. He reveals his awe-inspiring identity. He speaks of accomplishing great works and he receives the greatest authority. And we discover that he's far greater than we ever thought he was. But if we know the humble servant, and if we love his mercy, why do we need to encounter Jesus' glory? Today we'll see that our lives depend on it. Firstly, we encounter Jesus' glory when we encounter his deity. Our story sets the scene. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Making this connection with the previous sayings is significant as they help us to understand Jesus' identity and work. Just preceding our passage, Peter confesses Jesus to be the Christ of God. And yet Jesus says he must suffer and be killed and on the third day be raised. How do these go together? We'll see how these words will be confirmed by what is revealed about Jesus during his transfiguration. But for now, Jesus brings Peter, John and James up onto the mountain to pray. In scripture, the mountain was a place where God and man would meet. Moses went up onto Mount Sinai to speak with God and to receive the commandments. 
and Elijah met with God in the silence of Mount Horeb, which gave him the courage he needed to complete his prophetic mission. So when Jesus and his three disciples go up onto the mountain to pray, they go to speak with God. But then something miraculous happens to Jesus. We read, and as he was praying, the disciples of, oh sorry, and as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. They encounter the transfiguration of Jesus when he shows himself to be the heavenly figure revealed in Daniel. We read again here, Behold, a man clothed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning. And that's in Daniel 10, verses 5 to 6. This is the divine Son of Man, whom God gives eternal dominion over an eternal kingdom. What we see here is when the disciples ascend the mountain to encounter God, they encounter God in the person of Jesus. Mostly concealed during his earthly ministry, in his transfiguration, Jesus momentarily reveals his godhood. It's like Clark Kent, the average man going about his day-to-day -day life, he eats and drinks and goes to work and helps people. He gets tired and sleeps. But then in the hour of need, he takes off his black-rimmed glasses and his eyes shine laser bright. He rips off his shirt. I won't do that. Uh, and his cape begins to flow in the wind. And you realise that he's not Clark Kent, meek and mild. But he's Superman, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive. And you discover his true and awesome nature. And yet the reality is greater with Jesus. He doesn't reveal himself as a Superman, but as God in the form of man. As God in the form of man. As the writer to the Hebrews says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus, by nature man, reveals his nature as God. If you only see Jesus as a model of kindness and compassion, you will never be in awe of him. We need to perceive the transfiguration to understand Jesus' awesome deity who inspires fear and reverence. So dwell on this reality and meditate on the fullness of Jesus' identity. And when you go with Jesus in prayer, humble yourself on your knees and know that with Jesus, you are with God.
We can see that when he reveals his divine nature, Jesus is awesome, even fearsome. And we can revere him even as God. But what does this mean for our lives? We'll find out when we encounter his mission as the experience of the transfiguration continues. We read, And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. These two men are important figures in the Old Testament. Through Moses, God led his people out of slavery in Egypt and gave the Israelites the law. And Elijah was a prophet who performed a resurrection, actually ascended to heaven alive, and would return before the day of the Lord. Does that sound familiar? Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets. That is all of scripture pointing to Jesus. They point to the works that he would accomplish with their greater and eternal significance. Where Moses freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, Jesus would free his people from slavery to sin and death. Where Moses gave the Israelites the words of the law, Jesus would give them the words of eternal life. And where Elijah performed a resurrection, ascended to heaven, and was prophesied to return, Jesus himself rose to eternal life. Jesus ascended to heaven where he reigns as Lord, and he will return to rescue all who put their faith in him. Before the transfiguration, Jesus said, and thank you uh, for reading this out previously, I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. And now the transfiguration gives us a glimpse of God's kingdom in Jesus' identity and mission as Lord and Saviour. Jesus' departure, literally his exodus, didn't simply mean how he would depart from this world. His exodus, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem, refers to Jesus passing through his death on the cross and yet rising to new life and ascending to heaven. Through this exodus, Jesus would deliver his people to enter with him into his eternal glory. Consider Kate Campbell. You may know her or of her as an Australian Olympic swimmer. In the 2021 Tokyo Olympics, she won gold in the 4 by 100 meter freestyle in world record time. And she came home as an Olympic hero. But it wasn't always so. She endured years, years of discipline and training, the 5 a.m. starts, the hours of swimming each day, pushing through the pain. She experienced isolation 
She experienced loneliness in the years of training as an elite athlete. And then she experienced great loss in the 2016 Rio Olympics, where she was the favorite to win her race. She said of her loss, you could not have been more ashamed of me than I was of myself. You could not have judged me harsher than I was, and to an extent still am, judging myself. She told of how in her time of failure and grief, she had to rely on God and her identity as his daughter, rather than her identity as a swimmer. So she endured through all her struggles, through all her grief, in the view of who she was and the goal that still lay ahead. And in the end, her suffering served to heighten her joy of Olympic glory when it came. This is why we need to encounter Jesus' transfiguration. To know the divine Son of Man is all-powerful to endure the suffering on the cross and to rise up to eternal glory. And because he accomplished this exodus for us, we know that he is all-powerful to deliver us. We need to encounter Jesus in his glory so that when we struggle, when we have pain, we can hold fast to the hope that we have to look forward to. The reality that we are pressing on to attain. For we will share in Jesus' glorious nature with all new bodies, with renewed heart and soul and mind and strength when he returns to raise us up in the new heaven and earth. Suffering on the way to glory, from life through death to eternal life, is the normal way for the follower of Christ. So when your body is giving you grief, when you're feeling loneliness and despondency in failure, when you're experiencing the pain of putting your sinful desires to death, turn to Jesus, who knows what you're going through, and hold on to the hope that the divine Son of Man won for you. He is all-powerful to sustain you through your suffering. He is all-powerful to deliver you from sin. And he will raise you up to enjoy eternal life with him in his kingdom. So Jesus' mission means life for us. But how do we respond to him? How do we follow him? How do we know we're not mistaken and going astray? Thankfully, God gives us assurance for following Jesus when we encounter his authority. We read, A cloud came and it overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. The covering of the cloud on the mountain 
signifies the presence of God. And in contrast to Peter, who'd been confused and wanted to honour Moses and Elijah and Jesus together with three tents, God shows us that the significance of the transfiguration is to highlight Jesus' identity. Firstly, Jesus call, God calls Jesus, my son. This shows the family relationship in the Godhead between God the Father and God the Son. But it also signifies kingship. For in scripture, Israel's king would become the son of God. So in being called God's son, Jesus is designated king of God's people, which is openly declared at Jesus' resurrection. Secondly, God calls Jesus my chosen one. This shows that Jesus is chosen for a particular purpose. Jesus is chosen as both God's king and his suffering servant who would endure death on the cross, yet rise to new life to save a people for God. So although Peter didn't realise the full significance of what he was saying, he is right in confessing Jesus as the Christ of God. And thirdly, God commands the disciples to listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. The Greek word for listen, akouo, also means to obey. So to listen to his son means to obey his son. And Jesus receives all that he says from the Father. So to hear the words of the Son is to hear the words of the Father. To obey or to disobey the Son is to obey or disobey the Father. It's like you're in your family home and your father calls you to say, make sure you're ready to go when I get home. What do you do? Do you make sure you're ready? Or do you say, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> if you know what's good for you, you'll be ready. <laughs> but what if your brother comes and says, Dad says we need to be ready to go when he gets home. What do you do then? Do you heed your brother and do what he says? Or, or do you still think, yeah, yeah, whatever. The word is the same. It comes from Dad through his son to his brothers and sisters. It carries the same weight as if dad had said it in person. So we'd be wise to heed what the father says and we'd be wise to heed what the son says. So take God's commendation of his son to heart. Listen to his word and obey him. And what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? He said, "The Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised." And he exhorts us: If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, 
and follow me. So really, hearing and obeying Jesus is a matter of believing his word. If you believe that Jesus is God the Son, then you will believe his word as God's word. If you believe that the Son calls you to put to death your sinful desires, then faith leads you to do so. When you're tempted to doubt the truth, reaffirm the word of Jesus in your heart and in your mind. And when you're tempted to follow your own will, when it's contrary to Jesus' word, pray for help to listen to your Lord and obey him. Today we've seen the word, how we need this glimpse of Jesus' transfiguration. We need to encounter his glory and we do so when we encounter his deity, when we encounter his mission and when we encounter his authority. What was concealed for most of human history is revealed in the transfiguration and confirmed by God's voice. Jesus is God the Son who reigns in his unique excellence from all eternity to all eternity. He is God's chosen one who accomplished our deliverance through the cross, his resurrection and ascension. We need him to carry us through our emotional, spiritual and physical pain. We need him to deliver us from corruption and death so that we may share in eternal life with him. And we need to know his authority so that we can trust and obey his word in the way of life and wisdom. So back to where we started today. We don't need to despair when we aren't as successful as we hoped we'd be or when life hasn't worked out out quite as we planned. We don't need to tear others down so that we may prosper. We don't need to grasp for greatness in this life. For Jesus' glory as the Son of God assures our future glory as his people. Jesus' glory as the Son of God assures our future glory as his people. So we can trust him as we humbly love our God and love our neighbour. You can trust that he will give you new life. He will restore your body and you will reign with him in the new heaven and earth in a more glorious future than you could ever imagine. So let's follow Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, praise you for revealing the true divine nature of Jesus as your son, your chosen king and saviour. Help us to trust in him, to listen to him, to obey him and to follow him in this life and for eternity. Amen.